The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Welcome back to the program. Speak up. They'll come after you. And it starts off with some people who I guess compared to, well, I guess uh, he's as well known as Elon Musk. I'm referring to Russell Brand. They're coming after him as soon as you don't comply with the narrative and you get noticed. You can not comply with the narrative. And if you've only got a few hundred or a few thousand people that take any notice, they don't care. But if you're somebody that's getting millions of followers who is well known internationally, then they will come after you. Russell Brand, a perfect example of that. Elon Musk, an even better example. I mean, they're ignoring, ignoring him at every single level. I mean, there was a meeting at the White House where they had all of the major, um, all of the major EV manufacturers over, and everybody was invited except, of course, Tesla, Elon Musk. And they, despite the fact that he had created so, so many more electric vehicles than, let's say, Chevrolet, for example, he didn't get a mention. Didn't get a mention, wasn't referred to. Another company was referred to as being one of the best or one of the biggest manufacturer of electric vehicles. Meanwhile, the pioneers, the king of kings, Elon Musk and Tesla, completely ignored as if they didn't exist. Why? If you don't comply, we'll ignore you until we can't ignore you anymore. And they can't because now that he owns formerly Twitter, now X.com, and he's making a difference, I would argue a lot of these misinformation or disinformation rules are particularly just to combat Elon Musk. Do you think so? Do you think I'm right? I think it is because all the rest of them complied. You've got Mark Zuckerberg currently building a bunker, by the way. Have you seen that? He's building a massive bunker under his property. I mean, it's like a luxury bunker. It's one we'd be happy to live in. But why is he building a bunker? What does he know that we don't? Those who play along maybe get some insider information, a little bit like Noah's Ark, is it not? And who who gets on the ark? If you don't have an ark or you don't have a ticket, you can build your own one underground if you've got enough money. But uh, that's a fact. That's an actual thing. Why would somebody, he's not a doomsday prepper, but he might be somebody who's in the know. So there's Zuckerberg. But anyway, he's on board. Obviously, people like Google and, um, you know, Apple, all of the big players when it comes to devices or social media, they're all on board, but not Elon Musk. And he's not going to step down. He recently said, and I'm trying not to laugh, that Disney was not only the most woke company, not only the most woke company, but if you ask AI what is the world's most woke company, it'll tell you Disney. Even the AI knows that is the case. Uh, a man who, when it comes to his advertisers, they want to uh, make an example of him. He just tells them to go on themselves. That's all he does. Uh, he can because he's the world's richest man. Yes, Tom, I do realize Tom said, no, he's not the Rothschilds and, and others. Rockefellers are. But I did say man, and he definitely is a man. He acts in a manly way, Elon Musk. But they're coming after him, and they're certainly the EU and others. And that's just the beginning, by the way. You do realize that. They're going to come after him. They're going to try and send him broke. The billions that he invested in things like X.com will be worthless if you can't operate in countries. And they can just turn you off. They can just block your IP ranges and it would be, so don't think you're too big to be cancelled just because you might be the biggest or one of the biggest 
social media platforms on the planet, they can literally switch you off. Wouldn't it be brilliant if everybody could buy a Starlink, go via his satellite, you can have, he could have his own internet. Doesn't have to be the internet. You could have another, an, an intranet that go, and that is a word, that is a thing, by the way, that goes across the whole world and he's got his own satellites and satellite receivers. He could do that. But what would they do then? They'd find him, they'd jail him, they'll keep moving the goalposts until he can't kick a goal anymore. But I'll tell you what, he's going to keep his kicking boots on. He's going to keep kicking because he's a, a, a tremendous fella and I just hope that he does. Other people who have um, advocated for their own people include former cricket sensation Imran Khan, and he's now in jail because he was a good political leader, probably somebody who actually had his own people in mind. Could you imagine that? You remember what that feels like? I don't, I don't think I've ever known that here in Australia. Some people living in America would have had said JFK, yeah, Donald Trump, maybe. Uh, but certainly we, I don't think I've ever had a leader in this country that I feel I could trust. Anyway, as a result of being in jail and as a result of his party not being allowed to have a say, they found a way around that the same way that I suggested Elon Musk, who owns his own satellites, could do similar. Lee, how did they do that? AI. Yeah, I'm going to elaborate. So what they did, they got Imran Khan to write a speech. They then got AI to imitate his face and his voice, and they, they put it out there. So people were gathered to watch this. It looked like Imran Khan. It sounded like Imran Khan, but it was an AI interpretation of Imran, but speaking Imran Khan's words. Maybe that's how we get around things in the future. So they can't silence anybody anymore, because even if he couldn't get the word out, there would be those who, who advocate for him, those who are close to him, who could have uh, done an approximation of the speech that he could have got out if he was unable. But you, you've got to love it. You've got to love the innovation. You've got to love where AI can benefit us if in the hands of people that want to help. Of course, if it is in the hands of others, it could end up like a, uh, like a Terminator movie. Who knows, maybe I exaggerate with that, and I hope that is not the case, but certainly AI, we're going to be hearing and learning and experiencing a lot of it in the future. You can bet on that. Now, are you enjoying listening to or watching TNT Radio? Do you think that we're doing a good job? Then let us know. Uh, you can leave us a like or a positive review, or you can even leave us a comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter. You can help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Bringing you a worldview. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I know somebody who wants to fast forward to the weekend. And yeah, I know, I know you're saying everybody. Yeah, we all want to fast forward to the weekend. Even though I work on the weekends, I still love the weekends. But Gemma, she's been a, I, I should, you know, one thing that there's only two things I think that I can do better than, than Katie Hopkins, and one is an Aussie accent for obvious reasons, and B is a Scottish accent, as as she tried on. I was almost going to introduce you in my dad's Paisley ac um, accent, but now that I've put the pressure on myself, I'm not going to do it. I'll do it an another time. The wonderful Gemma Cooper, who does want to fast forward to the weekend because she's a wee bit crook. Are you not, Gemma? 
<laughs> a nice Scottish vernacular there, a wee bit crook. Uh, yeah, I'm all right though, you know, struggling on. I don't want to bore everyone with my lurgy. Uh, I'm just struck by, I mentioned this yesterday, is the parallels of like, if this had been three years ago, three and a half years ago, and I was coughing and spluttering, you know, that it would have been like absolute hysteria, wouldn't it? Like, get, get, get away. Oh, you'd be on the respirator. They'd, they'd be pumping the rem, the run death is near remdesivir into you. It would be a very sad and sorry, and possibly a very sad and sorry outcome because there were people we know who died because of the protocols that were used. And those protocols were rewarded if the hospital got you on a ventilator in some places, if, if they got remdesivir into you, if they even got you into the hospital and got a diagnosis of COVID. You might have done a triple somersault over the front of a motorbike, but if they could get a COVID diagnosis off you while you were in there, they did really well. Let's thank God that we're not there anymore. But a bunch of people, um, whether it be COVID or fluvid or as it really is the flu, um, uh, affected at the moment around the world. It is getting out there. I call it the flu. And let's face it, Gemma, when we look at those numbers historically in America, had some terrific numbers that were out there every year, 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, the number of flu cases almost magically matched the number of Fluvid or COVID cases, and but the flu disappeared just like magic. You can't make this stuff up. Even a five-year-old would get what that really was. Absolutely, you would have hoped so. I think a lot of people did did, did raise a m more than one eyebrow when that was uh, announced. But then I, I remember seeing a leading BBC journalist at the time saying, um, "Oh, you know, isn't it amazing that flu's disappeared?" In all seriousness, her tongue was not in her cheek. <laughs> I mean, I was on one of the flagship news programs here, and I was like, "Really." You know, but I just I'm thinking, you know, the mass hysteria of of what actually happened because people got a cold or people got the flu. I I just did think yesterday I wouldn't have been able to leave the house, wouldn't be able to do anything, you know, all for the fact that I had a, a mild upper respiratory tract infection, which seems to be on its way out at the moment. I just feel a bit tired. But that's where we were, Dean. And I, you know, I've seen a lot of headlines that, um, the last couple of days about mystery COVID virus and pneumonia in Russia and, you know, mystery thing coming up through China. It, it's just normal. Normal illness at, at this time of year you know that's it that is it um and let's hope we never ever ever go back but as we were talking about yesterday you know the um international health regulations were debated in the house of commons yesterday i'm just trying to get an update on that actually maybe not for today but for tomorrow about actually how that went and what was said um it was called for by the wch the world council for health who are absolutely against it and but you know the very fact that the World Health Organization wants to bring in a pandemic treaty means they've got something up their sleeves. Yeah. You just alluded there to Mark Zuckerberg's bunker. They clearly know they've got something waiting in the wings, um, you know, but to be continued. But obviously, hopefully now there's more of us that will take them on. Uh, but either way, you're talking now about people who go against the narrative. And I've got an update for you on a story we talked about last week. Do you remember that 16-year-old boy that was found in the Pyrenees? And he was he was um, on his way back to the UK after allegedly um, escaping the, the clutches. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Yep. You know, he was allegedly fleeing his mum and granddad who were supposed to be living in a cult. That's how the uh, mainstream media were trying to kind of portray it. Uh, and they still are. Now, he is home now. And he spoke for the first time yesterday. He said he was happy to be home for Christmas. He said that was all he could say. Uh, the press are unsurprisingly camped out outside his grandmother's house in the north of England in Greater Manchester. And the hunt is firmly on for his mum and his granddad, who though some are saying he's died, but other there have been reports of uh, sightings of him. Apparently he was mowing the lawn uh, in, the com in the community that uh, they were supposed to be living in just a few days ago. So there's uncertainty there, but it's now a race between who finds the mum first, 
Will it be Interpol and the Greater Manchester Police who are looking for her? Or will it be the press who have also gone to France, to the Pyrenees to see if they can find her? They are doing absolutely everything they can to portray her as, you know, they're using the words now, a conspiracy theorist who believes that COVID-19 was created by the state to control the people. Well, hello, let's have a look. Let's analyze why she thinks that. No, 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 the mainstream aren't doing that. They're just on the hunt for her. They found a camper van that she was living in until just a few days ago. It's got a didgeridoo inside. So, of course, that paints her out to be a little bit nutty because she's got a didgeridoo do you know they're doing everything they can it's just absolutely uh mad um what's very very interesting is that although they've caught up with cousins and friends that said yeah her and her dad alex's granddad they they believe in lots of weird things they say well what about the boy oh no he's lovely he's a really well brought up nice polite lad so if the mum and the granddad are so crazy well how come this guy this this boy 16 year old is so well adjusted um there's no suggestion that he's crazy or he's been living in a a cult. There's no suggestion of abuse. There's no suggestion of violence. He's a very rounded individual. So obviously they're doing something right. Um, what will be interesting is when they eventually catch up with her, because as we know, in this day and age, you, you really can't disappear forever. Um, I think that she will be found at some point. It will be what she says, what, if she says anything, and uh, you know the, the reaction to her narrative, how she's been living for the last, you know, uh, well, she went she went away in 2017 with the boy, um, how she's been living since then, alternative lifestyles, off-grid lifestyles, which I think a lot more people now are receptive to. Uh, so it'll be interesting how the how this plays out when they find her, what she says um, and how the reception is, because I think a lot of people like us will say, yeah, fair play to you. I'd like to go off grid myself sometimes. I often think about it. I just don't have the life skills to kind of make it happen. Not yet, I have to say, but it's something I've thought about for a long time. And as I asked the other day, it's not the police that are after these people, it's the media wanting to ha have a chat and get a story out of it, yeah? Well, the police are actually. Um, Greater Manchester Police and Interpol are now looking for the mum. I didn't realise last week, wasn't made clear, that they have the Interpol have been looking for her since she disappeared with Alex in 2017 with, with the granddad. Um, they said they were going on a normal family two-week holiday to Spain with the blessing of the grandmother, who is the legal guardian. And of course, they, they never came back. So there has been an international manhunt um, since then, uh, person hunt, whatever you want to call it. It hasn't been particularly successful. They haven't done their job properly. Interestingly, Alex went to um, uh, enroll in a local French school in November. He tried to go to a normal school and um, he didn't have the right papers. So the school called the police in France, who didn't even make the connection, didn't realize who the kid was, despite this international you know, search for them for all this time. They didn't do their job properly. It's a member of the public that found the boy and they only found the boy because he decided he wanted to come back to the UK for a little bit and have a taste of life in the matrix. So it doesn't, you know, look particularly great for the police, um, but the police are looking for the for the mother and the granddad and, and so are the press. There's no doubt about that. They're all out there. They're all hunting for, for Melanie, her name is, and see what she's got to say. Well, it certainly escalated. And so basically what they're treating it as some sort of uh, uh, in-family kidnapping. Yeah, basically. Technically, it was a kidnap, um, but the boy is fine. He's absolutely fine. You know, he like you say, he's rounded, he's well-adjusted, he's polite. Uh, everybody they've spoken to who knows the boy have said, yeah, he's a lovely lad. Absolutely lovely. It's just his mum. She's nuts. You know, she believes that, the you know, the last few years have been a scam. Well, that makes all of us nuts then, doesn't it? That makes all well, of us crazy. Well, it certainly doesn't make any of us nuts anymore because despite the fact that we didn't think we knew that we were right 
back when we were uh, spouting all of this three years ago, turns out that we have more than enough proof, in fact, uh, times 10 to the power of seven, uh, to keep us going forever and indefinitely. For those who haven't yet figured it out, there's something wrong with their rational thought process. And if they wish to keep their heads well and truly entrenched in the sand and put their arm out and go and get their boosters, off they go. That's all I can say. Just don't take your kids with you because, um, you know, I, I just, the other ones I really feel sorry for, the ones who didn't make the decision for themselves and certainly those who were coerced and forced to do it. As for the rest, if you thought it was a good idea, you thought the rest of us were nuts and we're in our tinfoil hats, I'll drive you. I'll drop you off to get your booster shot and you know, I'll call you an Uber if you want to do that and you're silly enough to do it. I guess Charles Darwin would have something to say about them. Gemma Cooper. I hope you uh, you mend very, very quickly, and I look forward to having a chat with you tomorrow. Yeah, thank you, Dean. She's brilliant. That's Gemma Cooper, everybody. Uh, later this hour, I'm going to be talking to Robert Barwick about the war for cash, and boy, is there a war on. Hang on to it. When I say hang on to it, I don't mean hang on to it, keep it. I mean get it out there, circulate it. We'll be talking to Robert Barwick a little bit later in the program. And I did promise you um, a couple of weeks ago I had a mate. And uh, he's a very well-to-do uh, high-end IT sales executive. Always bought the best car you could get, the best Holden, best Holden, you know, 100 grand, 150 grand, no problem. He's getting that car. I was always envious of the cars that he had. But recently, now that Holden's gone, he had to go to an alternative. No, he didn't go to the dark side. He didn't go electric. He got another big guzzler. But the guzzler wasn't ready. So what did they give him? The world's biggest petrol head that I know, they gave him a Tesla. Now, he's been telling people about that experience on social media. Now, I have I started watching it and then I purposely stopped because I'm getting him on the program this afternoon to tell us about the good and the bad points of his Tesla experience. But I purposely didn't ask him when I spoke to him today via text message what the outcome and what his overall points were, because I want to have a real-time authentic reaction to what he has to say. And I may be surprised, but he, he's very much like me, and I, I think he's going to be loving his petrol vehicle and want his petrol vehicle as soon as possible. So we'll be talking to Dave Moy a little bit later in this program as well. So your chance to have a say if you're a petrol head or just a, a political um, enthusiast, as many of us are, we'd love you to give us a call. You can do that on our talkback lines, and they are in Australia, 1-800-670-310, or, of course, if you're in the UK, 033-0024-1026. We're right here at TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot if your country is being invaded. Uh, that's one thing, and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if the war, if it's a globalist war, I wouldn't want to participate <laughs> in these banker globalist wars and. Most of them just uh, are. Hervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Take us back in time. And who was Mike Flynn? He was the National Security Advisor to the President. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming President of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current 
uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. At this moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism or you're talking about communism, socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat, people will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. Welcome back to the program. You're busy in the chat and we love you, Tribesters, uh, as christened by Katie Hopkins in the chat. Hello, Tribesters. Uh, I think Elon has pissed off Fatty Schwab, that one coming from Chris. Mally writes, uh, no, actually, Matt writes, um, so grateful for people such as yourself. My family didn't get the bio weapon because it was such an obvious uh, predictive agenda. I would agree. This thing was really obvious. It, they were so blatant with it, with the push. It was disproportional compared to the threat. And I do use the word threat very likely. So uh, Matt very switched on. Uh, Nuremberg 2.0 will be a light sentence for those who were uh, who were uh, part of it. He adds uh, another one. Gemma needs some ivermectin. Has Clive got some left over? No, Clive had a bunch of, I think it was hydroxychloroquine that he bought in early, gave it to the Australian government, millions of dollars worth, enough for half of Australia, they destroyed it. Wow, that's a fact. Told me that personally on his boat and then uh, that story got out. Uh, what else? Uh, Holly writes, what's the problem with living in the community? I think it's a great idea. I think some of those alternate communities are terrific, especially if they get kids away from the lies and the BS. And certainly the last three years, what a great place not to be would have been our society, if you will. Um, we got to get to uh, Sid from Sydney. Sid, how are you going? Not bad. And talking about our society, uh, would you have a lot of confidence in the judiciary? If the judiciary said to you, uh, by, by way of the government advice and lawyers, listen, we've got this terrorist, um, he was in jail for 20 years or 15 years, whichever it was. Look, he's low risk. We're going to put some ankle brace, bracelets and monitor him severely. He's going, to be, he's going to have a curfew and he's going to be restricted in some way. Would you be confident and, uh, and think that, you know, 
look, the government and the judiciary and all the advisors around those people say, well, this person's low risk, or would you, would you be a bit sceptical of that? I think I'd be a bit sceptical. Because we've seen things, we've seen decisions made by judiciaries before, and we've seen consequences of said decisions. Think that big siege back in 2014. We've seen all this happen before. So I'm, I look. I would like to think, I would like to think that judge is on the right path, and hopefully this person won't be a risk to us anymore. But you don't know that, um, and none of us know that. You know, people can make the right noises when it comes to certain assessments, can they? See, wouldn't it be nice if they had a three strikes and you're out as part of the judiciary? I would much rather a jury of my peers have uh, yes. got to decide that particular thing because I dare say that fellow uh, would not experience the uh, uh, the freedom that he is now enjoying. And, of course, out of all those other uh, people that have been released recently as well, um, I think last time I checked, four had already re-offended some of those offences very serious. And, of course, that the judiciary not held to account. And it, it does make me sick. And that, uh, look, that is my point. I mean, you know, if, if you if you think that, you know, there's people, if you trust the word, look, oh, okay, look, I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to associate with these people again. Are you sure you're not going to associate with these people? Yes, I'm sure I'm not going to associate with these people again. <laughs> Are you yeah. sure you're going to believe that? I don't think so. Good to talk to you, Dean. Good to talk to you, Siv, as always. And I'll just get quickly back to a couple more of the chat comments that I wanted to read out. As uh, Where was the one about? I was saying about Mark Zuckerberg. He built himself a, a bunker, and somebody suggested, well, they've all got bunkers, and that's where rats live underground. Uh, I can't find it, but that was pretty much word for word what it was. So, uh, But, yeah, if you're busy in the online chat, we'd love you to be busy and get involved and it's a great little community that we've got having a chat while we have a talk here we're going to be talking to Rob robbie barwick on the other side of this commercial break stick around you're watching or listening to tnt radio here's what's making news news tnt radio news matt boyland back again with a look at your tnt headlines the u.s senate will not be greenlighting any more cash for kiev this year Washington has once again reiterated the need for Israel to protect civilians in Gaza. Ukraine's military intelligence chief has admitted the country is growing desperate, with police officers and women likely to be called up to fight on the front lines. And the European Union is going after Elon Musk, accusing his social media site X of disseminating illegal content and pushing disinformation. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to the welcome back to the program. I'll be talking to Robbie Barwick in a couple of minutes. Very quickly, and I've only got about two and a half minutes for you. The wonderful Julie is on the line. Hey Julie. Hi, Dean. Interesting show. I love hearing you interview Aussies. Thank you. And it's um and, and don't we have some terrific freedom fighters that we get on this program here at TNT Radio? Oh, terrific, and it's very interesting. I love listening. But um, I just wanted to talk about um, yesterday it was uh, 687,000 foreign students that were here this year and 3 million visas last year. Now, this is old news. That was reported in 2022, and they've got 500,000 um, people coming in this year. And isn't it wonderful that um, Donald Trump is deporting all the illegals across there? And That's got the brilliant. Power yeah, and they have the power to do that. But Albanese said he's going to change Australia. And my goodness, if you look at the legislation that they've done, they are changing our country and they're overturning everything. It's frightening. 
Well, hey, Julie, it's a bit like if, if I drive a car into a pole at 120 kilometres now, I've changed the car. It's very much like that type of change, yeah? Oh, it's like he gives Stalin or Lenin or any of those Russian, you know, old dictators a run for their money. It's unbelievable what he's doing. Like, for example, I'll just tell you, they're abolishing our migration laws that protected our our immigration policies to protect us, abolishing the tribunals, system administrative law. They're bringing in all these um, nature legislation that's going to close down like our country. They've um, committed to the climate change. These are all legislation which makes that that, um, that he's going to be able to give $2 trillion with other countries. I'm not sure how many other countries or who they are per year to the climate change fund because of the damage that we've caused from um, climate change because of our industry. And this is just frightening. And he's, I told you about the ID digital bill that he's bringing in, unbelievable. And also the um, disinformation bill is just frightening. And what they're doing now with the Treasury bill is, um, it's not the Treasury bill, uh, Jim Chalmers said, and I've looked up on the website, they're repealing Section 11 of the Reserve Bank Act. And as you know, you probably know this too, that a Commonwealth Bank that was developed in 1911 because the international banks were closing and doing what they're doing now, because most of the banks are controlled by international banks, they um, actually started off our own bank, the Commonwealth Bank, which funded all... Well, our- hey, hey, Julie, what we'll do... Um, I'll bring Robbie Barwick in now. Everyone, we've got Robbie Barwick. Stay there, Julie. Um, we've got him on because what you're talking about is exactly one of the things that he's advocating for is a bank for the people. Uh, that would be a fair assessment, would it not be, Robbie? Uh, absolutely, Dean, and uh, thanks for raising the issue, Julie. I'm here nodding vigorously because uh, it's actually a very important campaign that we're on right now. Jim Chalmers is going to repeal Section 11 of the RBA Act 1959, which puts the central bank under democratic authority. Now, we often complain about the government, but we do actually have a capacity to have a say over the government, and we can change the government. We can't change the central bank. And in 1945, the prime ministers who saved Australia in World War II, Curtin and Chifley, they enshrined this power so that the people's authority would be the have the ultimate say in the financial system. And 72 years later, Jim Chalmers is proposing to give away that power to the unelected central bankers in charge of the RBA and their masters at the Bank for International Settlements. And we have to stop it. So luckily, there's a Senate inquiry that's on underway at the moment into um, uh, the bill that will repeal this power. And we're encouraging people, Dean, to flood it with submissions demanding that they not give away this essential democratic authority over the financial system. I really appreciate you raising it, Julie. It's a very important issue right now. Well, we appreciate all the good work you do and all your good articles. You you do a wonderful job and Australians are very grateful to you. But um, I also wanted to bring up, and Robbie, with um, Section 36, they're also repealing to its illegal tender. Because as you probably know too, they um, legislated in, I think it was 2019, just in time for COVID, to get rid of the cash. And Section 36 of the Reserve Bank Act is legal tender of notes. So I haven't, I'll, I have to find out whether they're trying to get rid of 
um, that legal tender, which we have the right to use cash and notes. Um, so I'm not sure about that, but they've also revealed no, well, that when I looked. No, but, no, no, you're right. Section 36 is on the chopping block as well. Now, it's um, it relates to legal tender, but it actually... It's the section that gives the RBA authority over the private banks. And so, so this is quite interesting. They want to repeal the section that gives the elected government authority over the unelected central bank. And they want to repeal the section that gives the, the central bank authority over the private banks. And the ultimate beneficiary of that is the private banks. Now, we were in the middle and helped lead that fight in 2019 uh, Julie, against the Scott Morrison government's bill to ban cash transactions over ten thousand dollars, and it really it really put the the government on notice, and politicians all got the message: Australians do not want bans on cash. Um, one of the best signs from that campaign, which was which got to the nub of the argument, was um, from a, a gentleman in Sydney. He, he came up with a sign that said, "Liberal Party policy is to jail you for spending your own money." And that's what that bill would have done. So that went to a a, um, a Senate inquiry then, and there was such an outpouring of of, of uh, protest against that bill that all the politicians raced each other to drop it. Right? No one wanted to own the bill by the end. And Senator Malcolm Roberts, in um, September 2020, uh, put up a motion to dump the bill from Parliament, and it went it passed unopposed. So we actually defeated that. And it put them on notice that no, no, no politician in their right mind will get away with um, banning cash. But that is the agenda, nonetheless, getting rid of cash. So what the politicians have done is sat on their hands while they've allowed the private banks to practically do away with cash. And how have they done that? Closing branches, closing access to cash, closing branches all around Australia, closing ATMs all across Australia. And so it's harder and harder and harder to actually get cash. And when Optus went out a month or so ago, everybody who was affected learned that, right? Because once upon a time, if you went into that coffee shop and there was a sign up there, oh, there's an Optus outage, cash only, you could walk out the door, go down two doors, and there'd be a bank and you could get cash. That doesn't exist anymore. All, that, all, the, all the availability of cash, not all of it, but a lot of it has been actually cut off. Um, and so that is where... The Reserve Bank, and this is—I I said to Dean, I wanted to talk. I wanted to talk about this tonight: the war on cash, because what the Reserve Bank is doing. And on the one hand, they're saying, "Oh no, we are committed to cash. We're not going to—we're not going to do away with cash." But on the other hand, last week, Senate, um, the Reserve Bank Governor Michelle Bullock, out of the blue, started talking about the possibility of putting a surcharge on cash transactions. Well, because yeah, so. And, and think about what she's doing by proposing this. The number one thing that makes cash attractive as a transaction is the fact there's no cost associated with it. We've all heard by now heard the meme, and it's a really good one, about if you spend $50 and the person you give it to goes and spends $50, and the person they give it, they can go, it can go past through 100 hands and still be $50. But if you spend $50 on your credit card as opposed to cash, after 50 transactions, that money's gone, right? Um it's gone in charges. So that's the number one attraction of cash. And the Reserve Bank is proposing to put their thumb on the scale and tilt the transaction um, competition in the bank's favour. And this is absolutely outrageous. So, there's, so they're not doing it through bans. 
they're doing it through these kinds of means. And, and you know what blew me away, how she justified it? She justified this by saying that the problem is small business doesn't understand the cost of cash, what actual oh. cost is involved in the provision of cash. She said, because the cost at the moment is borne by the financial institutions. In other words, the banks. What on earth? So she wants the small business to wear the cost of using cash as opposed to the businesses, the banks, whose business is cash. That is their business is cash, right? This is so outrageous, but I'm really struck by how out of touch she is. And I think I think by highlighting these things now, in the context of um, there's a lot of justified concern about the, the, uh, the Orwellian nature of all this, and there's a whole bunch of people concerned about that, but there's just as many, if not more, concern now about the practical side of this because Australia just cannot exist without cash. Westpac went down today. Again, you might have heard heard that, right? Westpac's <laughs> the second biggest bank in Australia. That would have affected millions of people. And these lunatics are proposing a cashless society. And so the, the, the at a practical level in the public, there's enormous backlash on this. And these people in their ivory towers in Martin Place, it's like they're not hearing it. Right, and so what happens in those kind of circumstances? You'll get a clash, and I think um, if the public focus their protests on the politicians, on things like the Senate inquiry, we can actually defeat this. But it's going to take a, you know a real effort from the public to do so. Now, I did hear that people are out there spending more cash than they have been of late. Is that because of these, like the Optus outage, for example, that affected businesses for a couple of days? Oh, it, it definitely is, but it, but it, it is actually twofold. So one of the things I've done all year, uh, Dean, is go to every single hearing of this Senate inquiry into bank branch closures, regional bank branch closures. And it's been because our party helped to get it up. So we've attended every hearing. And then on the 1st of December, I was able to testify at the Canberra hearing myself. Um, but you learn a lot. You go to all these towns you would never otherwise visit. And I've been all around Australia. Um, in fact, sorry, quick aside, one of our members has just made a song, a, a, a version of I've Been Everywhere Man to <laughs> every town that's lost a bank. She's 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 wow. made every town that's lost a bank. And guess what? About a third of the towns in this song were in the original song. Can, right? so, can you give me a copy of that? I've got to play it on the program. Have to, I have we to. We'll make this popular. But I went to the town of Juni, which is in the Riverina there, a beautiful um, town, and they'd lost their Commonwealth Bank. And they, they were instrumental in getting this up. One of the businesses in Juni that had helped get the initial publicity that made this inquiry possible was the chocolate and licorice factory. Yeah. And and the, the the boss of the business came and testified. He gave great testimony. Um, he actually said, when he was asked about the use of cash, they, they, they put it about one third of people always use cash. But he said, what we're seeing of late is people coming in, waving their cash, really proud to use it because they're making <laughs> a statement. I love right? it. And that to me, I was so thrilled because when we saw what, we were able to defeat in 2019, 2020, but then what the banks were doing, we started putting out the message, use it or lose it. And yep. people have been getting the message and going and deliberately using cash. And Robbie, can I say something? You know, it's like a muscle. If you don't use it, it's going to atrophy and yep. it's going to be gone. I'm noticing because I'm one of these people that hates, um, you know, uh, the self-checkout, you know, so I'm always go 12 items or less. Someone checks me out and always the people in front of me or behind me are all paying in cash and we're all proud as punch yep. not to be using the self-checkout. <laughs> 
and to be using cash, to be doing it old school and keeping, as you said, mate, there is no better example to anybody than that whole thing about 50 transactions or 100 transactions yeah. of cash. There's your $50 note, 50 or 60 times. Uh, otherwise, the banks have the lot and that money is out of our circle forever. That Those bankers aren't going to push that back into our circle. It's gone. And people really need to understand that. That is why we are literally Horror. And Rob, Robbie, I've got to uh, give you the intro that I didn't give you, but I brought you in with Julie. It was so timely. It was such a wonderful, uh, you know, connection that you two made. Uh, and of course, everybody, he is um, Robbie Barwick or Robert Barwick is a longtime executive member of the Australian Citizens Party, formerly known as the Citizens Electoral Council. He's uh, the party party's media spokesman. He's the National Research Director, writer and editor of the party's publication called the Australian Alert Service, and also the presenter of the party's weekly show called The Citizens Report. So you can get that on the website. And the website address is, Robert? Uh, citizensparty.org.au. www for necessary, but you don't need that nowadays. Citizensparty.org.au. And on YouTube, it's called The Australian Citizens Party. So both are very dynamic, updated quite regularly. We have... All you got to do is browse through the media release section of the website and you will see the intensity around this issue of cash and banking and bank services, et cetera. So, and we're always giving people things to do, Dean. We're not a, we're not commentators as a party, we're activists, right? So we take up issues where we have an idea of how to solve the issue, what the solution actually is. And, you know, in a lot of cases, the solution is not some brainwave I've had. It's a it's a it's a recognition that the problem was caused by a departure from what what used to work, and therefore let's go back to what used to work. Yeah, hence, if it ain't broke, hence, don't hence fix the it. people's bank. Hence the hence the idea of the people's bank. Right, we had a people's bank, and we need to get one back. Mate, I think you've hit the nail on the head. There's no better outro than that. Mate, cash is king. Keep using it. Wave it. Get it in your hand. Wave it in the air like you just don't care. Make a point to use it and they can't take it off us. It is as easy as that. Mate, an unsung hero, Robert Barwick, everybody of the Australian Citizens Party. Check him out and check out the Citizens Report on the website. He's fantastic and we'll get him back again at some point in the future. And he's always out there doing the good work that needs to be done, as do we here at TNT Radio. We're going to be back with my mate, a Head, who's going to tell us about his Tesla experience coming up after the break, Dave Moy. Stick around, everyone. Thank you, Robbie. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Remember that song years ago, Lunatic Fringe? I know you're out there. Believe me, I know they're out there. I simply watched these people in the climate change cabal and listened to what they say. John Kerry is out there, and I will give him credit. At least he did not say a half billion people like Hillary Clinton. But the latest is that climate change is causing respiratory problems and has killed a half million people. Now, where do these statistics come from? Are there death certificates now that say you died because of climate change? But we've got this guy from France, I guess, Francois Jimin, a professor at the University of Liège, and a specialist in environmental geopolitics. What the heck is that? He spoke on French TV about the threats of cats and dogs. Listen to this one. Cats and dogs are a disaster for the climate. A cat is a disaster for biodiversity. Do you hear that, Maisie and Shooter? And a dog is a disaster for the climate. Positive proof, folks. 
the lunatic fringe, except they may not be fringe anymore, is indeed out there. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog. Oh my goodness, a dog. That's a disaster for a climate. Asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. To learn more, visit nature.org today. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, and welcome back. I've teased at this for a couple of weeks. A good friend of mine, who I, I have to admit, and I am criminal, criminal when it comes to this, I have not caught up with him for a long time. A good mate, and I miss him a, a bunch. Uh, he's he's an IT sales executive. Uh, we met through uh, where we live, but also through the HSB Owners Club. We both had a couple of rather impressive Holdens, and Dave always would, as part of his company package, always get the best of the best when it came to Holdens, a Holden fanatic, a man whose number plate reflects the fact that Peter Brock won at Bathurst nine times. I may have given that one away. A terrific fella and a guy that always has really quick, nice, luxury Holdens and always a big supporter of Holden. Now, what happened was I saw him on Facebook and uh, he was waiting on his new vehicle. And uh, actually, I'll get him to tell you the story. Dave Moy, how are you, mate? I'm great, thanks, Dean. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Mate, an absolute pleasure. Now, what was the vehicle? Obviously, you can't get a Holden anymore, so so you've had to go to the dark side, but not that dark. What what did you have on order? So I've got, I've still got on order a BMW X3 SUV um, with a with a, a very traditional two liter turbocharged uh, normal engine in it, uh, but it's not going to be here for a little while. So. Yeah, I ended up uh, speaking to the dealer, and he said, "I've got, uh, I can, I've got another car I can lend you. It's just come, it's coming in, um, and uh, it's a Tesla Model Y, brand spanking new. So, I've had that now for about five weeks." Now, of course, anyone who knows you would have had a crack at you. Like, you've gone to the dark side. Dave Moy in a Tesla, never going to happen. He's a he's a petrol head, and will always be. Well, as long as we can be, anyway. So, the big question is: Tell us the the goes, the woes, tell us your experience. And at the end of the day, I'd love you just a roundup thought on a Tesla because I've never driven one. I've, you know, I get Stephen Fennick, our, our tech guy. Oh, by the way, I just got to say quickly to people, um, Stephen hasn't been on the program this week. His father was ill and we just learned on social media that, that his father, Stephen Fennick's uh, father passed away uh, in the last 24 hours. So that's really, really sad. I just wanted to put that out there. But he has always had a Tesla. He's just gone to, I think, uh, a Mercedes or something. So, Dave, give us the rundown, mate. How are you finding it? Um, well, look, it's really interesting. Look, I want to start this by saying I, I have not, I'm not a Tesla fanatic or anything like that. So if there are Tesla owners listening and uh, you're going to tell me there's an app for something or that there's <laughs> some menu 27 on the third screen. I understand. I'm just explaining from a novice who'd never, I'd never driven an electric car at all. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't get the pre-delivery uh, talk through from the dealer because they were quite busy. So they literally handed me the the uh, the card, which I'll just quickly reach in my pocket. Well, I should have planned this more in advance, but um, but that's basically it. That's the That's your key. Okay. Uh, and you'd literally sit in the center console and I just sat there and I didn't know what to do. So I was just sitting in the car park and 
I didn't know what what you did. <laughs> so um, yeah, but anyway, it, uh, in terms of in terms of driving it around, I mean, yeah, all the things you hear about them you now they're very very quiet. The tech in them's you know incredible. They're they're nicely they're nicely finished. Um, I'm not sure whether the one I I've got was made in China or in the US, but um, they're nicely finished. The materials are nice. Um, and uh, yeah, as a car to drive, it's just getting around the quirky things like starting it. You know, you put your foot on the brake and put the card in the middle, and then you then you pull down on the little lever, and it just drives away. That's it. So, uh, yeah. But I suppose the other things associated with it um, that take a little bit of time to understand is everything works off a tablet in the centre of the the car. So there's no instruments in front of you. There's no buttons. There's nothing at all. There's a wand on the left to turn the blinkers on and off, and there's a wand on the right to put it in the gear. And, what about and, the speedo? Where's the speedo? All on the tablet. So you can look down, sort of down across. across yeah, yeah. It's in okay. the center. Like it sits in the center of a lot of you know the vast majority of modern cars now have got a tablet in the you know in the center, but they have instruments in front of you. The Tesla doesn't have that. So um you've everything's in and everything's in pages and screens so for example when i picked it up i drove it out of the the uh m8 tunnel here onto the m4 in sydney and uh it was raining but i there was no i didn't know how to put the wipers on because the stalks don't make the wipers work <laughs> and there's no wiper button yeah. and it doesn't come on automatically um until you you've sort of got to go into the screen and the rain sitting i'm doing 90 kilometers an hour down the road like this and trying to find on the screen where where it is and then you find this button and you're on it on the screen and you hit auto and it goes oh okay it's rain sensing wipers and off it goes but you don't know that and i know there'll be people who own them who go oh yeah but you set all that up before you leave the dealership and blah 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 and i understand all that but what i'm saying is for someone new to it not you know if you if you borrowed a friend's car for example um you know unless they sat down and went through all this process with you if you'd borrowed it and they hadn't had it set up like that you don't know how to how to use it. You don't know how to turn the wipers on or the lights on or change the temperature, things like that. Um, so yeah, it's clever to the point where, in my personal view, it's probably overly clever. Yeah. So I would have thought you could talk to it and say, you know, okay, Tesla wipers on or something like that. Now let's get down to the the nitty gritty, the things that make it a part of your daily life and make it a, a help or a hindrance. So now I, I know where you live. So, you know, we'll just say out around Blacktown Way, right? So we won't give it away. So around Blacktown Way, where are you working these days? What Sydney CBD or something or? Uh, well, our office is in Mascot, uh, but luckily I only have to go in there. I usually only go in once a week. And any of the other commuting I do is just to the train station and back, and I'll catch the trains into the into the city. So, and all work from home. So, can you get all the charging done at home just on a normal power point? Because I know you wouldn't have a fast charger because you're only borrowing this mm. thing for a while. Um, or do you have to go and find one of those Tesla fast chargers? And are they actually fast? <laughs> well, to, well, firstly, I don't have the home charger yet because Tesla decided to stop supplying them with the cars new apparently, and you have to buy them, and which I refuse to do, because as you say, I'm only borrowing it. So um, I've actually got a home charging cable. Uh, the dealer's got one and I'm picking it up uh, on Thursday. So what I have to do is near me, there's a, a shopping center with, with conveniently has four chargers, two of them are Tesla superchargers. Uh, they're free, so thank you to the council. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's just a matter of finding time when people aren't using them uh, to jump in and, Plug it in and off you go. So they're uh, they they're. I'm not going to look. I, I don't understand all the uh, charging rates. So again, Tesla people, please don't get angry. Uh, but but uh, 22 kilowatts it charges at, which is uh, I'm told pretty good. So um, that would take 
it would take from about 50% to 90%. That'd probably take two hours. So, so have you had one of those uh, scenarios where, you know, you've got to charge it and you're out and about and you're hanging around for half an hour or whatever? Um, and if so, if that is the case, how long were you waiting around for for the charge for it to be enough to get you home? The anxiety of a of a of a Tesla driver, or should you say, a battery an EV driver, right? So range anxiety it hasn't it hasn't started to diminish on me yet. So for me, I'm still oh, it's on twenty seven percent, and I know this trip should take about three percent and blah blah blah. So there has been one or two occasions where I'm down to sort of like twelve thirteen percent. I've got to drive it to the shop, so now it's going to take another couple of percent. And I've got to wait around, so you sort of you start to get concerned. But I sort of find the sweet spot now is. People will go to the shops early in the morning to plug in to get a bit of a charge to drive to work. And then if you if you hit the shop, shopping centre before the shops actually open, um, that little gap around about 8, 8.30, usually it's not too, too difficult to have a free charger there and you just plug it in and off you go. So, And I've actually gone one step further than that, Dean, and I've got an e-scooter, an electric scooter as well. So <laughs> I, have that, I have that folded up in the boot and when I, uh, when I plug the old Tesla in at the shopping centre, I get the e-scooter out and put my helmet on and... I e-scoot home about uh, six or seven minutes and come back when it's ready to be picked up. How the hell are you going to fit the diesel generator in the boot when you've got the scooter in there, boom, boom? Okay, now, Dave is one of the few people that may have been in the car with me, and, and I, I won't, you know, we won't hold me to this, uh, that had about 600 horsepower, about 900 newton metres of torque weight, 1,300 kilos in that Commodore down the Quakers Hill Parkway that night. A lot of acceleration. Now, you're a known petrol head. You've had, you know, club sports and all these really high-end V8 Commodores, really quick quick ones, 5.7-litre Chevrolet motors and whatnot. Mate, how does this thing go when you put it in rocket mode or whatever they call it? Are they as quick as they make out? And I'm, I'm sure you've had a crack at the lights. It's well, this so the model the model Y is the the bigger SUV type one. You've got the model three, which is the, the smallest one, and then the S, which is the one that really they you know is the most performance orientated one and obviously the most expensive. Um, but uh, in terms of acceleration, yeah, it's that whole linear thing because it's electric, it's got 600 newton meters of torque, which is kind of around what a what a V8 would have. Um, but but the thing is, it's delivered instantly, there's no you got a you know 2000 3000 4000 revs as soon as you touch the accelerator you have 600 newton meters of torque so in terms of acceleration um point to point it's it's quite fast um but if you're talking about say if you if you were sit, sitting at the lights and you were accelerating up to well let's just say 100 kilometers now because legally you're not allowed to go any faster than that or 110 maybe uh, on a, on a uh, on a freeway uh it, it would be the, the the clubby my last clubby I had would be faster than it um, so so yeah. would you be happy to have one as part of your everyday life? Like when, when you have to give that back, are you going to be like Charlton Heston as part of the, you know, NRA saying, take it from my cold, dead hands, you're not getting it off me, or are you going to be happy to hand it over and jump in that BMW X3? Uh, mate, that, that's a really good question, and I am I will be more than happy to hand it back. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm... I'm uh, the fun of it, I, I took it on board just to, as something different to try. You know, you you know, you sit at the pub or with friends at you know dinner or whatever. You know, people want to talk about EVs if someone's got one, and and I just you know I had the opportunity and I thought it's great. I'll be able to actually do it. And and when I talk to people about it, I can I can talk from a place of experience of going through the range anxiety, trying to set the whole thing up, answering people's questions. So it runs on electricity, does it? Yes. Uh, and 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 going through the 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 highs and lows of charging and finding a charger and not being able to find a charger. So to throw all that away and uh, pull up in the BMW and just stick that uh, 
that uh, pump in the back and hand my credit card over, that's that's going to be uh, that's going to be a little bit more comforting. Put it that way. Well, mate, if there was one person I knew could give me an honest and balanced uh, opinion, if we had more time, I'd get you to launch into your Sean Connery laws rather handy days being. But we'll save that for when we catch up at the pub, and we will do. Dave Moy, thanks for coming on the program. I appreciate it very much. He's an absolute legend, everybody. If you see him on the on the road, say good day. Uh, sandwich between two of my favourite people, a mate from yesterday and a current mate, Katie Hopkins. Coming up after the break here at TNT Radio, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll catch you then.